When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is here alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kowarski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening on Fox Sports Knoxville. Uh, great to have our first affiliate for Outkick 360. If you're watching us on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe. Hit that alert button as well. Do it. Uh, Facebook Live. Right. If you're watching on Twitter, uh, give us a retweak on Facebook. Please share the post. And uh, let us know your thoughts throughout the show. You can interact with us in the chats, but also at Outkick360 on Twitter. I wanted to, uh, we had this great conversation with Dane Brugler. I always enjoy him, uh, really enjoyed th that conversation. Um, we've been talking a lot about the, the, the limits of a no combine, no individual workout, uh, how you're going to get to the bottom of it. Uh, one of the things he said there is I think if you've if you're got an experienced staff, uh, experienced scouting staff, you, you've got a benefit of, of those long-term connections. What I hit? No, it's not you. I'm laughing at Jacob. <laughs> it's something I just saw the, the replay of. The <laughs> I'm sorry. I just saw the replay of the, of the account. I'll tell Paul about it later uh, because I can't talk about it in the Knoxville Sports Radio. <laughs> I just saw you break, and I'm like, well, uh, do I Saturday Night Live here? You look, you look, to you look and sound great, Paul. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> you look beautiful, Paul. Sorry. Um, I lost it. So uh, the, the, uh, the Titans, to me, do not have that sort of experienced staff. Monty Ford has that kind of experience. Yep. Ryan Cowden has that kind of experience. But their scouting staff, as I've said time and time again, is largely younger guys who've not been that uh, around that long, who are being groomed by John Robinson and brought up. They all seem kind of similar age and makeup. Am I fair there? That's fair. So they don't have, you know, once upon a time, the Titans staff, I would have said, was too old. And they didn't have the young, I, and that was a criticism of Floyd uh, Reese. You've got all old it guys. It wasn't that long ago, I remember. Any, I think you were, the, you were with ESPN at the time. I think you wrote a column about or maybe it wasn't ESPN, uh, right, right as you started your site. You, you wrote a column about uh, Robinson willing to give young guys a chance scouting. Right. I, now I think it's, it's too much. Right. And, and certainly in this time, I think it's too much. I wonder if it was a factor in the Isaiah Wilson thing. Well, John Robinson's been around for a while. And that first-round yeah, pick is, on the, is, is the GM, sure. and, and he's got people he can but ask. But you want your minions to – you want it to be a – you know, you need the area scout, and then you need the cross-checking scout from this side of the Mississippi, and the GM. You should have at least three very thorough opinions who are – and John Robinson, as thorough as he may be, is not going to be the guy that necessarily knows the janitor and the secretary at Georgia or whatever school. That's going to be the area scout. And so do the Titans have area scouts that know all of those kind of people? I think less broadly, generally, I'm guessing, than a lot of teams that have a, more of a, a representative mix of age groups than the Titans who don't have old heads. 
so to, so to speak. We're getting great response to this on Twitter. You can interact with us there at Outkick360, talking about Isaiah Wilson, the mistake the Titans made, who's to blame. I asked Dane Brugler about when you see a story like this, do you immediately think, boy, someone's lying to the team yes. about the person? <laughs> or And he said it's all three. Yeah, it so is. The, the, the team missed, someone's lying to them, and maybe it was a little bit of a surprise it got that bad that quickly with someone like Isaiah Wilson. Moose on Twitter says, I don't blame college coaches for protecting their players and trying to get them into the NFL. However, NFL GMs and scouts should take their opinions with a grain of salt. No, this, is not, this is not accurate. The, the, the scouting industrial system works where, uh, we're not talking about on the record comments. We're talking about private conversations. And college coaches build their reputations, position coaches, coordinators, and head coaches, of being honest with NFL. If you, if you miscast a guy to an NFL scout, you're ruining your reputation and you're hurting your program, really. You have to give honest assessments so that these guys know they can come back to you and get honest assessments. That when you have a brilliant player, you're giving the assessment of a brilliant player and a hard worker. But when there's a little bit of a doubt about a guy, you say, hey, I wouldn't maybe take this guy in third. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's more of a fifth because of X, Y, and Z. If you're just sell, 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 it's not the same as recruiting. If you're just sell, 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 it becomes kind of what we've talked about here on this show already a lot. If you like everything, you like nothing. And if they come to you and you're saying all good things about all your guys, guess what? They move on from you and they go talk to the janitor or the secretary or the honest professor or whoever that'll give you an honest account of a guy. They're not looking for fluff. They're looking for honesty. There is a uh, story up at OutKick.com right now that ties into what we're talking about where Nick Saban went on the record and said he was uh, put off by Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, who stood right next to him watching Mac Jones and didn't speak. Didn't as didn't much as say hi, question. didn't ask a single question. Said stood next to me the whole time. He said, you know, maybe they thought that it was against the rules to talk to me. I don't know. But they didn't say one word to Nick Saban the whole time they were there watching Mac Jones. Which immediately I'm thinking, well, maybe they think that Nick Saban's not going to tell them the truth about one of his players. Or maybe they don't feel the need to talk to Nick Saban. They can watch for themselves, for themselves what's going on. It was certainly odd. Yeah. Uh, that that would happen, and that Nick Saban, who I'm sure talks to a lot of NFL coaches and scouts, oh, yeah. was so put off by it that he brought it up in an interview yeah. that Shanahan and, and John Lynch did that to him. But uh, this kind of ties into what we're talking about, about what's real and what's not. We would all expect that publicly a coach is going to go to bat for their guy if they finish a program publicly. with them. Absolutely but publicly. you get respect in those circles, Paul, I think you're right, by giving a brutally honest account for those players. Here's another asked. thing that we've been talking about, Hutt, that, um, and, and Brugler made reference to it early, part of the challenge, extra challenge for him in putting together the beast, the behemoth, uh, for him, independent NFL scout verification of 40 times, because we've been talking about these pro day times. It's not just necessarily that they're inflated consistently, which it seems they have been, but the reason that the combine is beneficial at 40 times is everybody's running on the same track. Everybody's running on Lucas Oil Stadium's turf, right? And instead of running at a, uh, several hundred different venues, fast track, slow yep. track, whatever. They all seem to be fast tracks. Nobody's all running on a slow track. So I have a story that illustrates this just a little bit with Jeremy Bell, who will show you. 
from the University of Charleston. So not a well-known school, not a well-known well program. Blake Bettingfield, our friend who scouted for the Titans for 19 years, six years as the college scouting director, still does projects or you know stuff that he can't tell us about for teams Consulting. or for players yeah. or, or for whatever. And he's writing these massive files for paulkuharski.com. He's done edge rushers. He's done wide receivers. And, and th this morning I put up cornerbacks. So I spent a, uh, most of the day after the show yesterday going through his cornerback file and uh, you know putting in some tweets and, and some photos and, and things. And I text back and forth with him over, over some. So he's got Jeremy Bell from the University of Charleston and a small assessment of him. And he's got him at a 4-5-5, 40-time. So I'm, for whatever reason, doing a little bit more on Jeremy Bell looking. And um, handsome man with green hair, Simon, my son, would like this, as having done a dye job himself. It is Masters Week. Yeah. Trivia matches your jacket. That's, right. um, that's more That's more. Jags teal to me. Than yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Nice smile. Um, so Jeremy Bell, I find in two different places, listed with a 4-3-8. Now, Blake had him at a 4-5-5. Substantially different, correct? So yes. I text Blake and I say, I'm seeing a couple places with Jeremy Bell with a 4-3-8. And he texts me back and he says, I, that time I got in person recently, okay? So here's a former NFL scout still doing consulting work in some way, shape, or form who recently timed this guy himself at a 4.55. And what's the number that's getting uh, win online? A 4.38. Now you think totally differently about a guy from small school, University of Charleston, if you see a 4.38 and a 4.55, right? Well, guy, there there will be players who are drafted uh, solely off of traits, right. and one of those massive speed. traits for his position is speed. Right. So if you're looking at a seventh round, do you say, well, we may take this guy because he yeah. he runs a four three eight? Not that a team's relying on this pro day speed, but if you're a fan of Jeremy Bell, you're thinking, well, four three eight guy's got a seventh round chance based on his speed. And if you're talking to a scout and he ran a four five five, well, he doesn't have that. You know, he's average speed, a little slow compared to a, a guy you might take on that speed trait in the seventh round. That's, that's a, this is a under, uh, we're, it's not an underplayed story on our show. We've been playing this story heavily. Underplayed story nationally. So this is what I've been doing for the last couple minutes when you were telling us, which was a great story. I hear University of Charleston, and I think, you mean College of Charleston in Charleston, South Carolina? So I look it up. The University of Charleston, same color scheme West Virginia, as right? College of Charleston, but it's West in Virginia. Charleston, West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't find if it was different or not until I looked at the schedule and saw they're playing much smaller schools. And finally, I had to go to the University of Charleston website, not the athletics website, to find the address of the school because I'm thinking, this is a weird uh, world where I'm thinking of the same school, College of Charleston, University, and the same colors. When you look at the, the website. Well, uh, anyways, and it's I will a smaller say, school in Charleston. Yeah, and I will say, it's not but just. But immediately I would think of, you know, yeah, College of Charleston. It's not just a problem. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously Googled Jeremy Bell, University of Charleston, 40 time or pro day result. I didn't find anything. But this isn't just for him. There are a lot of guys that I'm looking for pro day results on from bigger schools 
that you don't find anything and you don't find anything about why there is no 40 number. Like he didn't run because of X. Uh, now, obviously, NFL teams know why there's not a number and they have, you know, maybe they have a, uh, no number on a guy, you know, which hurts an evaluation. But um, there are holes out there in a way that there haven't been holes before. Um, you know, and usually if you don't get a combine number, you can get a pro day number, or you've got an injury situation. Um, it's, it's a more difficult time to scout, certainly. We'll look at the NFL draft from a Titans perspective coming up on the Tennessee Power Hour. A lot to get to as well. Uh, Chad, there's plenty of news on Rocky Top with spring practice going on, players declaring for the, uh, the NBA draft. Animal uh, abuse. Animal abuse and players being suspended. Uh, a lot to discuss there across this hour as well. Just pick a topic. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with it. Spin the dime. Pick a, pick a topic, pick a sport on the Tennessee Power Hour Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on, and by the time uh, you're listening to this on the podcast, we'll know what Brooks Kepka did to finish his round. But it's amazing what he's done through nine holes. He's even through nine. So it's not like he's leading at Augusta. But he had knee surgery in the middle of last month for an injury that usually takes around six months to recover from. He's not just playing in the tournament. Uh, he's playing well. He's even through nine holes while walking the course at Augusta National. Dislocated his kneecap, which forced surgery. And this took place in early March. Generally, according to this doctor who's tweeted out through Ian Rappaport, generally a six-month rehab. Kepka playing after one month, and who knows what he ends up doing. He says, hey, I wouldn't show up if I knew I was going to finish second. And he was just trying to see if he could withstand the, the issues that would come from, from walking the course, where he started on Monday by playing four or five holes, and now he's, he's teed off to Augusta National. I'd I love stories like that. Well, he's a, just a freak athlete. He is a big-time, show-up-in-the-big-moment type guy, not concerned with non-major championships and always there in the big moments. That's Brooks Kepka, and it's an impressive story. I actually know a guy, so he, he dislocated that kneecap playing around at home with his kids, right? Yeah, he or just slipped playing around the fell. house. He slipped and fell. So I know a guy who has a similar injury, and he had it playing with a ne nephew or niece and dislocated that uh, patella. And it continues to happen all the time. Mm. I love uh, Hutton when his hand comes in the shot like that. I feel like he's like big time. About to do something. Like he's, he's like he's talking. He's like no 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 this. <laughs> like I'm gonna do get, get on Hutton's shot. This is gonna be me now from here on in Hutton's shot. You put my hand. Yeah, everybody in Hutton's shot. Everybody in. Ready? Team. Great. Hands above the table, please. Yes. <laughs> Always tables. Tables. Yes. Uh, desk. Little trays. As someone said. TV trays. As someone said. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, Chad, before we get back to the Titans discussion, your thoughts, uh, we, we mentioned this in the final minute of the show yesterday, but Keon Johnson's going to be a lottery pick, mm -hmm. maybe a top 10 pick before it's all said and done in the NBA draft. Um, but the separation between the top tier players and Keon Johnson, there's a wide gap there for me. Uh, but for a player who is guaranteed that salary and guaranteed to be not just a lottery pick, but it, it sounds like he could go really high, uh, he's making the right call by hiring an agent and, and headed to the pros. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's the right call, and it, it's really. It took one dunk against LSU to realize he was ready. It to took go. longer than I thought for him to announce that he was going to go pro, honestly, because it, it seemed like a no-brainer. Yeah. By the end of the season, he took a couple weeks after Jaden Springer announced. Really, the news now for Tennessee awaiting John Fulkerson to see what he's going to do. You've got Drew Pember, Devontae Gaines out as transfers. Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson out, leaving early for the NBA draft. Mm -hmm. They've still got a lot of roster flexibility. You've got uh, Justin Powell coming in from Auburn. You've got Kennedy Chandler, who's going to be a day one starter at point guard, five star. You've got Jemai Mashik from California, who's going to be a contributor. Yesterday, you get the commitment from this kid from France who played at Montverde Academy, but was in their graduate school program. So he graduated from high school in France, played at this one-year graduate school program at Montverde Academy. No one knew about it. High school he, graduate program? I guess. I don't, I don't know how they, I don't know how it transfers from France to here, but it might, might it's like a, a prep school almost, like a one-year thing. Acclimation. Yeah. Well, either way, this kid is not rated because he didn't do any AAU or summer ball. So he came over from France, played Let's one year, shot 45% from three, 6'6", 175, and he got some decent offers, and he's going yeah. to Tennessee. Marquette, I know, was another big offer for him. Uh, so he Shocker. commits to Tennessee. But he's more of a developmental guy. Tennessee's got to add a big guy in the transfer market. There's a big transfer portal out there. That's the next step for them. And then more recruiting news yesterday in the state of Tennessee uh, with Lee Dort and uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the other. Shelby was the other player's name from, from Texas. Uh, one recruiting ranking has Dort as a five-star. Most of them I've seen two four-star guys, mm-hmm. two top 150 players, both committing to Vanderbilt for next year. They won't be there this year. They're juniors in high school, about to be seniors. But that's good news for Jerry and Stackhouse. And that's about and what uh, – Stackhouse for, needs to have a good enough season to be here. Yeah. For them. Well, but that, that recruiting story, that should be expected with him by now. Like yeah, that, yeah that, for that's great. Kind of guys. That's great yeah. for the program, but also like that's that's probably the expectation when he was hired, uh, pulling the recruits in like like he just did yesterday. So. That's a big news story. Let's for go their back program. to UT for a second. Yep. Uh, you may smash me for this. I mean, for the big emotional farewell that Fulkerson had for his last games, I'm, I'm waiting on him to decide if he's coming back. Look, I, I can understand a guy saying, you know, I, this may be my last game here, but it sure had finality feeling to it. If he comes back, I'm going to be like, what was all this about? Well, Watching you cry and be on your knees on the court and now you're back? Well, the, the way he reacted to senior day felt like his final game and he knew it. So why that, am I waiting all this time to find out if it was? Well, we're waiting on like 3,000 kids to make up their mind. Yeah, and honestly, I know, but he seems to have may be made waiting, maybe waiting on to see who's going to be added in the transfer portal. Yeah. If, they, if Tennessee's got a guy who averaged 18 a game and 12 rebounds a game and Jalen Gardner coming in, if he decides, then he may decide not to come back. If he looks around and says, you know, I'm the starter again and I have a chance to rewrite last season, then I'm going to come back. But I think that there's a lot of wait and see with the roster. And here's the reason, Paul. He said after that game he still wasn't sure if he was coming back or not, that he hadn't made up well, his mind. too much. But he said it felt like the last game. It may have been too much, but – too I'm not going to crush a guy for getting emotional. Much. But here's the other thing that happened. He took an elbow to his skull, oh, yeah, that and was it bad. fractured his orbital bone, and he was knocked unconscious, and he didn't have a chance to play in the SEC tournament against Alabama in a close loss that could have been the difference in the game. I'm totally and sympathetic. And he, ga- he didn't have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. So I think that changed things is my point. So what he was feeling in that game against Florida may have been finality. And then when he takes the cheap shot in the face, he might be thinking, I don't want to go out this way. If I got a chance to come back, maybe I can come back and rewrite some things 
and come back for that extra year. He has year. an opportunity to come back for the extra year that, on, I mean, he has a chance to take advantage of that. You know, the one-time return. So I hadn't thought about the, 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 the elbow and the f- lack of finality yeah. off of that stuff. That's fair. But, but, but I do think it was quite dramatic. I, I think his Paul, farewell it's a two-way. I think it's a two-way wait and see. I don't think that it's just because I I would say yeah it's a little weird he hasn't just announced he's coming back if that's the plan because people are saying he's leaning towards coming back. I really think it's both sides. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens here, right? And I think Rick Barnes is going to be honest and he loves John Fulkerson. Going to be honest enough to say, you know we're we're moving on with these guys that are coming in roster wise. Or we really need you back. You're going to be a, a big contributor. I think if Fulgerson comes back, he's going to be a contributor. Is he going to go way. somewhere else? No, I don't think so. I think they need him. UT or I think they no. need him too. Well, right now they, they need definitely, size. They definitely need him right now. Yes. If they don't get one of these big time big guy transfers, they portal. definitely need him. But get they're going. To, I think they need him either way. Even if they <laughs> add a guy, they're still going to need him. Get in the portal. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, looking at the. The NFL draft from a Titans perspective, Paul, uh, the way they've set themselves up in free agency, they can go with the cliche best available player. They would say that anyway with whoever they end up drafting. Three weeks from tonight, by the way. Um, But as I look at their options, the more and more I look at defensive back, linebacker, wide receiver, Um, and, and the value at those positions for where they're drafting, I think because of the quarterbacks and the way teams are going to be not helps just... Helps them at 22, for sure. What's that? The, the five quarterbacks helps them at 22, for sure. Oh, yeah, but then you also have the top offensive tackles that I, I think we'll see a trade market for on draft night. I think we will see a team make a move for a Devontae Smith because, as Brugler said, you're either so set on his value or you're going to talk yourself out of it. Um, and, and it's one or the other. There's no in-between. That means there will be a price tag that someone's willing to pay to move up and, and draft him. I, I see one of those defensive backs fall into 22. I could also, and, and I, I think there's a chance it could be Farley, uh, which sets up a, uh, a you Jeffrey Simmons scenario. And then it, the medical is the, what we don't the, know. The, yeah, and the we back is different than the knee. You yeah, know the course. knee heals, right? Yeah, you don't yeah, know absolutely. if it's a back problem. Um, but beyond that, there's, you know, a, a Zayvon Collins, which you brought up, that he has all the athleticism of the world. Um, he rem- it, the, the Isaiah Simmons comparison is interesting because Collins is nearly, he's 6'4", nearly 6'5", and the debate is, where do you line him up when the debate should be, does it really matter? We'll find a spot for him. That was the case with Isaiah Simmons whenever he, dra- he was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? Zayvon Collins can line up at outside, inside. You can move him around. He can rush the passer. There are options there. And I think with pick 22, if you're going defense, you need options. If you're going defensive back, you need options. Can he play outside, inside? He better be able to play both. Yeah, like inside, outside. But this versatility thing, like I was, I was saying in the conversation with Dane, I haven't seen the Titans use the versatility the way – you would hope, like we've heard over and over, that Rashawn Evans could rush from outside, and we've not seen him put outside ever. So, I agree. What's the benefit of him being able to rush from outside if you play him inside all the time? I don't see any value in it. Yeah. Um, His value is like a third, third round pick. You know, <laughs> right? Like, so, um, you know, I agree. Look, I hope you're right that one of these guys lasts, but I also feel like 
cornerback and pass rusher are something that everybody needs. And so I'm not going to be surprised if the top guys at those two positions are, are, are gone and if there's uh, seemingly a gap between the top three corners and the next corner and maybe the top three rushers See, and I the think next rusher. Greg Newsom's interesting to yeah, me, Yeah, Greg, that, that's the gap Newsom there. Is, is he 22 or is he 29? Well, it depends. It do matter. you value just straight, straight on football player or do you value traits and athleticism? Because he's not Caleb Farley. He's, uh, he's six feet tall. And he's he a scrappy is a finished player. product. He's not six. He's not six two. He's not six one six two. He's six feet, and he's he's just a he's just a ball player. Yeah, the floor is high fun. with a player like that. The floor is really high when you draft no, a football player like that. Six the feet corners are fine, lower. but normally it's the six one four three guys that oh, are drafted are, yeah, first right. round. The 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 big, yeah. That was, so what makes them super special? Right, yeah. and, and the, the traits. Right. So Newsom, that's why I'm Newsom's saying Newsom at 29 seems more. Uh, I have more of a feel for that than at 22 because I think there's probably something more attractive receiver-wise. That's why I asked Dane about Tony yeah. versus Bateman. I think there's a conversation yeah. to be had there that we'll get into. Soon I agree. About are you looking for something different than what you've had, which would be a Tony type, or are you looking for something? like you've come to have, which is Bateman, who's very good at what you've done successfully. Tony is, uh, you know, more like Samuel, maybe, who would have been a different element in, in free agency. And which do you want? You know, one of them feels safer. And, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Bateman's a very good player who could bring you some uh, – something you could rely on. But Tony maybe brings you uh, an X factor that you've been lacking. What I want is both, <laughs> right? I, I want one of each of those guys, and I don't think that, um, that Josh Reynolds is bringing you something different than what you had. So ideally, I would have liked the Titans to have gotten a guy who's like Bateman and then gotten you a guy who's like Tony in this offseason. I know. It's, it's, you know, they're not getting both of those guys. I would have liked for them to come out of free agency and the draft with one of each of those kind of guys. I, I, I just look at the depth at the position, and I, I wouldn't go wide receiver first round. Um, not unless you're trading up to go get one of the elite speed guys um, because I feel like the depth of the position is great. I feel like the depth at defensive back is pretty good this year too. Um, linebacker, not so much. Defensive line, maybe not. But at defensive back and wide receiver, when you look at the traits and the comparisons, first three, four rounds are pretty good for those spots. And with the Titans drafting where they are at 53, uh, they have the compensatory pick. And two more inside 100. I'm not saying you're willing to sit back and just wait and guarantee that yourself the player's there, but, I mean, they did it last year. They did it with Christian Fulton. They sat and waited on him. And it happened for them. Yeah. I mean, look, there, things will present themselves to them over the course of those first four picks. Now, we don't know if Christian Fulton's it or not. He has to be. Right. They're screwed if he's not. They are. I agree. Um, can we get into this cat story in Knoxville? Yes. We've yet to hit on this. What in the world is going on with that? Aaron Beasley... Tennessee linebacker is accused, and now he's being charged, I know investigated officially, 
for animal abuse for torturing his girlfriend's roommate's cat because allegedly the cat ate the chicken wings that he was eating that was set outside of a bedroom. This is just in a long line of weird stories over the years in college sports, uh, specifically with Tennessee. What an awful look. And I don't know that there's anything that Josh Heupel can do but kick the kid off the team once it's shown that this is what happened. Whether it's a plea deal or whatever goes down, if he admits guilt or this is exactly what happened the way it's been alleged, then you got to remove him from the team, right? I, I guess. I mean, I... It's a misdemeanor, but yet it's such a weird it's story. It's just bizarre and troubling. Yeah, the details it's, of it. it's a serial killer-like behavior. It's weird. I mean, it's just, it's cringeworthy. Yeah, I mean, he uh, threw the cat in the toilet and shut the lid at one point. Just, just a very, very much. strange. So and, you know, people are, uh, I've seen this, well, Josh Heupel's lost control of the program already and this and that. I'm thinking... <laughs> Let's, let's chill out a, a little bit. In kids the, the incident Who in said the, that? Well, people lost are lost control. He's in somebody's apartment monitoring the pets. <laughs> well, not, it's not just that. You know, you've got the incident in the dorm, but we gotta we gotta understand the time frame yes. here. All right, he brought none of these players on campus. No, and none that of had the this kids. happen. And also the the dormants that happened before he was named head coach. It just got out after the fact that there was already an incident. It was two days into these players being on campus. These early uh, enrollees. I mean, it's not. I, I don't. Let's let's chill out on that. But let's angle also a say, bit. when you're abusing animals, uh, that's where serial killers start. It, it's a. It's exactly what I just said. Yeah, yeah. there's a weird. It's a serial killer like <laughs> behavior. I mean, that, that's disturbing. Well, you, you, you don't, don't want, want that out of Hernandez. I mean, you don't want to be Florida. You want that out of Hernandez. You want those wins, but you don't want that reputation either. Uh, it's it's a weird weird situation. And Josh Heupel, look, it's it, it's a mess with Tennessee right now. I will say though, quality of of player in terms of talent is still better than what Butch Jones inherited. It's better than what Jeremy Pruitt inherited. They're not very deep. They got some talent. They've got some NFL players still on that roster. So it's just a weird time, I think, for Tennessee and Josh Heupel. They've got no depth at linebacker. He's stepping into a dorm incident where four guys are involved. He's got a linebacker torturing a cat. He's got these strange things happening all at once when he takes the job. And Chad, if I may. It's odd. You know what I'm tired of at Tennessee? It's Losing? Th- well, besides that. <laughs> it's what I'm it's tired of. this time of year when all these scouts and coaches and general managers across the league, you say, you know what? You know who's a good player that's undervalued? Josh Palmer. You know who's really good? Alvin Kamara. It, I, I'm tired of the athletes that are going to go on and be really good in the pros not meeting those expectations because the coaches didn't figure it out in the moment. Here's to Josh Heupel actually doing that with the talent you're talking about. Now, we haven't seen Palmer in the pros yet, but he's talked about more right now than he was in October. There's an issue with that. Yeah. There's a, there's a distinct problem in diagnosing issues on the field and why you cannot put the football in the talent's hands. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. Well, the, so the, the fans in Knoxville understand the frustration. But we're, seven years ago, we're talking about you know, Jalen Hurd and Kamara and, and everyone. Let's, let's get the talent more involved on a consistent basis in Knoxville. Well, the, here's the problem. So, Dane Brugler pointed this out. You know, Josh Palmer was clearly the best receiver on that roster. 
He was a four-year starter. He doesn't have 100 catches in his career. Well, then you look back and say, why is that? Is it, is it offensive system? Is you it, asked it all it's, season It's long. two things. It's one, Tennessee scored the uh, – they're one of the five worst programs in America at scoring touchdowns a year ago. One of the only programs behind Tennessee was Western Kentucky. Who was Western Kentucky coached by? Tyson Helton, the original offensive coordinator <laughs> yeah. under Jeremy Pruitt that originally started Jarrett Garantano. They never over-recruited Garantano. He was there the entire time. You're they right. They had a terrible quarterback. Apologies to the kid. Seems like a great young man. He's a terrible college quarterback. Washington State's about to find out the same. He was terrible at Tennessee. He never got the job done. Wildly inconsistent. Jim Chaney did not expand his repertoire to any extent. He was very much stuck in his way. And because of that, you've got a system that produces um, uh, a Josh Palmer who's going to be a better pro than he was in college. Going back to Butch Jones, quarterback wasn't the problem. They had a good quarterback in Josh Dobbs. Problem was he made promises to Jalen Hurd to get more carries and more touches than Alvin Kamara, even though Kamara's the better player. So then you had a situation where there was almost too much talent, and Tennessee didn't go with the guy who's more talented than Jalen Hurd because of promises made in recruiting. So here's what I want to see with Tennessee, and I think you're going to see this starting out right off the bat. The offense is going to be prolific. It's going to be fun to watch because they're going to play at such a pace and they've got some talent on the outside, and they've got some good talent on the offensive line, they're going to put up points this year. Now, Hutton, here's what you have to avoid. The flip side of that, are we going to look at guys on defense that Jeremy Pruitt recruited one, two, three years from now and say, man, this guy's a possible first or second round pick, and he did nothing on defense. He never got to the quarterback at Tennessee because then there's going to be a defensive coaching problem there. You've got to balance it out at some point, right? I think Jeremy Pruitt's a good defensive coach. He got the most out of some of those defensive players. I think about Nigel Warrior and his improvement while he was there. And they were getting nothing done on offense. It just stands out. (laughs) Forgive me. It means more if you overlook the offensive weapon nowadays. Patrick Sertain and Christian Barmore were on a defense that gave up 60 points to Ole Miss. And they're going to be first-round picks. Yeah. Uh, We're not not overlooking them. Well, that's... You you see what I'm saying? Offensively, though, just every year there seems to be that player from the Tennessee team that you come in and we're asking about them and we were asking why they weren't more involved and there's just excuse after excuse after excuse of well you know he's just not getting open on a consistent basis. Well that basis. should go away now right? Yeah. It should. I think it's I think it's very easy to point to what the reasons are uh, with this. With Josh Palmer it's quarterback. He didn't have a good quarterback and the offense didn't But see even with the quarterback there should have been from the booth saying we're getting Palmer and the ball five that. times yes. this of game. Of course, of course. There should have been a lot of that. And here's two big issues that I have with it. You're right about the, the misutilization of offensive skill talent at Tennessee which has been a big problem. But not only that, defensively under Jeremy Pruitt, I think Jeremy Pruitt's a good defensive mind, a good defensive coach on the practice field. I think Jeremy Pruitt tries to do way too much in the college game. And when he's trying to do way too much, over and over and over again, Tennessee was not set on defense. They are looking to the sideline as the ball is being snapped and the ball is going away from them as they're looking at the sideline because they're not ready to go. One thing I really like about Tim Banks so far and what the players and coaches are saying is it is very much a we are going to get set, diagnose the play, read and react. It's not going to be a lot of frills. But I think that's what this Tennessee defense needs, especially with a lack of depth. They need to know what the heck they're doing. 
Guys play better when you're lined up in the proper position and you can at least look at the ball being snapped and know what you're supposed to be doing and play a much more basic defense. I think you're going to see a lot more of that with Tennessee. Now, are they going to have these exotic blitzes that's going to confuse the offense and generate? Well, they weren't doing a lot of that, even though they were attempting to under Jeremy Pruitt. So I don't think you're going to see as much of that. But again, bottom line with Josh Heupel, and I'm looking at a list right now, guys. This is from Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports. He just listed his top 10 college football coaches under the age of 45 entering this season. Number one, Lincoln Riley, who's 37. The guy's 45 and 8 in four years. No argument there. Number two, Ryan Day, who's mm. 23 and 2. Maybe you can make an argument with, with one and two flip-flopping. Number three, Brian Harson, who's 44 at Auburn, who's 45 and 8 as a coach. Number four is Matt Campbell, who's 35 and 28. Number five on his list is another guy with only eight losses as a head coach. That's Josh Heupel, who's 28 and 8 as a head coach, which would surprise people. Heupel's ahead of guys like P.J. Fleck, Billy Napier, who was a hot name for Tennessee, Mike Norvell, Jamie Chadwell, Neil Brown. Now, again, this is one guy's ranking of his top 10 coaches under 45. And, and now we're seeing that would that would surprise Tennessee fans to think of someone thinking of Josh Heupel that highly, right? Tennessee fans will be excited to see that, but that's also that's where Josh Heupel is entering this job. But to, it was but underwhelming to be because fair, of his a, AD. There's a big separation between one and two in the rest of this list. At Oklahoma and and at Ohio State, now you're seeing Harson get an opportunity at Auburn and Heupel get his opportunity at Tennessee. Yeah, the now, big step up now. I, I will say also, you know, we can couch this however you want. Uh, Josh Heupel took over a really good program. Mm-hmm. You know, and they got a little bit worse as he was there, but not uh, not greatly. This year was a little odd too, with sure. some of the losses and some of the opt outs and everything that happened with him. So you can parse that out that way. We can also but say I, I his also, AD left and brought him with him. I can also say Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day inherited amazing situations yeah. from longtime, all-time great coaches that hand delivered them the job. Bob Stoops leaves, hands it over to Lincoln Riley, continues doing great. Ryan Day, Urban Meyer hands it to Ryan Day. Continues to do great. Now, uh, is um, Scott Frost of that ilk? Well, based on his performance so far at Nebraska, you would say no in terms of what Josh Heupel uh, inherited there. So, um, look, all of that to say Josh Heupel's a good offensive coach. He's got a track record of doing that. He's a good quarterback's coach. If Tennessee can figure some things out offensively, they're going to be fun this year. And I know that sounds hokey as hell to Tennessee fans, but – isn't that what you want a little well, bit of? It's a hell with this of a gain program? over what they've been. I mean, just the fact it that you might have a few 70 yard plays for a touchdown where someone gets wide open. Like, that's going to be something to celebrate, even if you lose the game 63 to 56. But, guys, you know this, and Hutton, you brought it up with Alabama. This is college football today. You're going to have a game where you give up 60 points, yep. and you got to try to find a way to win those games. Nick Saban knows that. And they Ed did. And Ogeron knows that. And they did. And that's what Tennessee, they've got to get with the times, and they've got an, at least a head coach now who offensively is with the times. Don't know how he's going to do at Tennessee, but he at least understands modern college football. If you're looking for great odds on the Masters, on the NBA, on the NHL, Major League Baseball, maybe you want to bet Orioles, Yanks, uh, between Paul and myself. Great and game last What goes on in the 12th inning. Yeah. Or was it the 11th? Depends on how you define I was captivated. FanDuel.com. FanDuel.com slash OK360. 
That's FanDuel.com slash OK360 for some great odds on all of the sports you may be looking for right now. Coming up, we wrap things up for OutKick360. And we're back. OutKick360 across the OutKick network. You think eventually we'll take requests on things to do during the silence of the of the break for those that are watching online. Of course, if you're listening, Juggling. if you're listening to Fox Sports Knoxville, you don't see us during the break. But you know, for those that are watching on YouTube, for instance, we sit here and we're chatting with Jacob and, and Lance. We want to do like a card try. I mean, I'm thinking magic. So we like, like Shinlim. We could be Shinlim back here or juggle. I mean, just the the. Topic of conversation in some of these breaks. <laughs> we were just talking about drowning cats, not us personally, not us. but the fact that this has happened. Yeah. And, uh, it was we talked about the Tennessee story, and it led to other not us personally, but other stories. Hey, was it of, us of of where we I'm knew unclear. about animal cruelty? Was it us? It was not I'm us. Unclear. I, I want to be clear. It was not us. And we're repeating that because we're here at Blackbird Academy in the Blackbird Studio, maybe they're walking down the hall and they hear us yeah. discussing this. And we're tenants. It was not here. us. <laughs> we're tenants. It was here. not us. We don't want to be evicted. Uh, be broadcasting from the street tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. Live outside Studio G. <laughs> Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. on the street. Hey, Lance, There's we're going to need a quick outdoor segment. We're going to need a quick outdoor segment, and I'm going to need a tent or a hat because I'm bald and the sun's out. Chad's going to need an umbrella. It's raining a little. Chad in his master's jacket, Paul in the master's shirt. You can be with us for the Outkick 360 Masters which is taking place on Thursday, June 10th. We've moved it back a couple of months to hit that summer month um, or late spring month, whatever you want to look at here. All proceeds benefit the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Top Golf Nashville is the location, and it all benefits LLS. It's going to be a great night. The link, you can find the link to uh, get your team together and purchase a bay, where, again, it all goes to charity. Outkick360 on Twitter is where you can find the link right now. It's the Eventbrite link. Just look for that. Or uh, just uh, find us on Facebook, on Instagram. The link is available both in the story and on posts. And we will have that uh, for you if you'd like to join us for what is going to be a fun night. We are down to uh, nine bays available right now. So grab that bay uh, coming up in a little over two months. Uh, we are really looking forward to a big night without kick. How many people in the bay, Hutton? Six six players per six bay. players per bay. It includes food, drink, uh, drink tickets, food, and two hours of golf. You you play two rounds of top contender at Top Golf, which takes roughly two hours to play, and we do it at night. It's not during the day during our show. We'll we'll do our show, uh, and then be it's there for out. the evening. It's a big night out, and uh, we look forward to it. And we and again we we raise money for the charity each year. Hope you'll join us for what will be a. A, a big night if you've never done it before. And for those that have joined us in the past, we hope you'll certainly sign back up and grab that team. It's a great employee appreciation thing for yes. a business out there. Buy a bay for your business, your employees to come out and have a big night. Group of buddies yeah. get together, pitch in, all for a great cause, and we're going to have a good time with it. Only six people per bay, easy to find, five buddies to take with you to this event, we're going to have a big time. And one quick add, if you haven't been there, uh, Top Flight Bar, and the food is not, you know, like typical bar food by any means. You got high-end, really tasty food. Very so good. it's not, uh, you're not sacrificing a good dinner or anything like that. You'll eat well. Appreciate that, Paul. I agree. 
this year we're going with uh, the Taco Tex-Mex bar, food bar. Uh, the last time we had the barbecue, I, I decided to switch it up and, and go with more of the taco enchilada, fajita feel to it, Chad. Now you've had got me wanting a burrito bowl, Hutton, so <laughs> okay. congratulations. Hey, it's a great burrito. You did it. The, the sales pitch right there just you know uh, made it happen. Big thanks to Taylor Farms and uh, Lucent Logistics for coming on board and, and supporting the cause with Catfish for a Cure, Catfish Jake, and uh, his run and uh, campaign for LLS Man of the Year. We support that fully. Again, 360 Masters coming up on Thursday, June 10th. You can play with uh, Kirby on Kirby who will be there trying to defend his crown of last place. But if you win, the individual winner gets the green jacket that Chad is currently wearing right now. Uh, you will also, the Masters champion for 360, receives the Seymour putter valued at $350. Uh, we've got that, plus uh, the team champs get a round of golf to some of the best courses around Nashville. Hutton, your Orioles absolutely shamed the Yankees last night in extras. Our Great the, April uh, club. The, it really is. Uh, the runner on second base in extras, I mean, you kept scoring, we kept matching. Then ultimately, the, the great shame of being thrown out at the plate in a <laughs> foolish Not even attempt close. to tag. I don't and know what they And tagged in the face. Urshela got tagged, so he's laying there like you might lay there in the, oh, I got thrown out at the plate to end the game. Yeah. But it was also, oh, I got tagged out at the plate to end the game by five feet, and you smashed me in the face <laughs> with, the, with the tag. It was a really ugly ending. And I was thinking of you, and I hesitate. I didn't mention this until now because I thought you'd really appreciate it. Uh, the French element to the game. You love when I speak in yeah, French. And uh, the, the pitcher who pitched a fine game for the Yankees, I think seven innings, Jamison Taillon. His debut? Uh, or his his de first? debut for the Yanks. He, yeah. uh, he, through for Pittsburgh. He uh, is a cancer survivor and uh, had UCL surgery on his elbow twice. Taeyong. Speaking of accents on a name, Taeyong. I, I always thought it was just Ryan Santander was oh. the name. But the, the Yankees Santander. got Santander. Yes, it's like, oh, oh great, great throw by John Santander. Stirling. I don't want to hear John Sterling. It wasn't John Sterling. It's whoever. Oh, Michael, I know. Uh, Michael K. Yeah, Michael But if K. you hear John Sterling get a hold of it, it is Santander. <laughs> Santander hits it over there. Yes, exactly. I, I, what a dare by Santander. <laughs> it's just on and on. He's sitting with this rhyming dictionary right now. I don't have the baseball package, so I rarely get to watch an Orioles-Yanks game. And I was captivated because it was on MLB. Yeah, Network. you and Reed are texting well, me about this game that I'm not even watching. I'm like, what are these guys? They... Reed told me so early in the day that uh, Aaron Judge was out with general soreness. I thought it was a day game, and Which then is I a missed great uh, injury. <laughs> and I looked what, into this four camera. games into the season, general five, soreness. Yeah, after five games, you I know, looked into you, this if, camera and I told you yeah. I did not have faith in the Yankees because of soft tissue injuries. And boom, game six, he's out with general soreness. Now, granted, he hit home runs the two days before. It's, it's still a very, not a good sign because he could have made sore. a three for three with a day off today. <laughs> Yeah, well, they wanted to give him two days off. No, that's so a bad sign. he's ready for a big stretch. It's April 7th, and you need two days off? No, I, I, listen, I told you. <laughs> Soft tissue injuries will undo them. And never forget, Paul Koharski looked right into that camera <laughs> and called Aaron Judge a loser because he has never won a World Series, much like he called every player in history <laughs> who's never won it a he loser. He will win one. So Aaron Judge in the eyes of Paul Koharski, again, a Here's loser. the thing. You can have confidence if you're Aaron Judge that you will, won, will win one. If you're a Brave, there's no reason to have any confidence that you will win one. 
because you don't win them in Atlanta. It's one of the great sports stretches of the calendar year because you have the Final Four, the National Championship. Fast forward to the weekend where you have Augusta National. Can we throw up the leaderboard as we wrap up today's show just to see where we are and compare it to where we start tomorrow for the second round at Augusta? Uh, as we look at the leaderboard at the Masters, um, and we head home to enjoy the evening portion. Uh, Siwoo Kim has been the leader since we started the show two hours ago. Hideki Matsuyama, you can guarantee that he's going to be at the top of the leaderboard. Paul Casey's there now. Uh, Webb Simpson, who always tends to play well. Patrick Reed. Uh, there is a your normal list, and there he is. We mentioned Longer. him at the start of the show before he teed off. Bernhard Longer oh, always yes. finds a way crafty to be German. in that top 20 for the first round. Bernhard. Here's the question, and I face this, <laughs> I face this constantly, and I know most of America does. And I know it's available to me on my computer or my, my uh, iPad. Uh -huh. If I go home and I turn on the, the old-fashioned machine called the television, will I be able to watch this tournament in a half an hour from now? Uh, no, in an hour from now. Two o'clock. Two o'clock. Yeah. Two o'clock central, three o'clock. Will there be a day what? in my lifetime where the whole thing, Paul. all the holes are telecast over CBS, ESPN? All the holes are telecast. All the holes. You look right into that camera on your way home and you hope that the person in front of you doesn't do what? Do not block the box, <laughs> but do lock the lock. 